Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, so we have been in a in a, a great series um, uh, on making great families and and just one more time, just because I like to do this, but you know, if God has been good to you, if if God is as if you've been growing in any way, if you've been challenged up in any way, if you can see the the Lord at work in your life, would you just please give Him some verbal praise and some maybe a hand clap and a you know an amen or 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 something you know along along those lines. And um, I think that that's great. But we're in this series called Making Great Families. And my prayer is that you are actually taking some of what we talk about and you are, you are putting it into practice. You're utilizing it. I can tell you this, that, that uh, and, 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 you know, sometimes pastors facetiously say this, but I'm just telling you, I'm being wholeheartedly transparent and honest with you. I preach to myself every Sunday, and certainly whenever it comes to family, and, and it's really easy for me to preach to myself because I realize there's a lot of different ways that I can get better as a man of God, as a husband, right, as a, as a Christian father, as a, as, as, a, as a Christ follower that is holding these different, you know, these different offices. Uh, as a pastor, there's a whole lot of things that, you know, that I can do better. And I hope, I hope that this church, if it's not already that way, is filled with people that are okay with saying, you know what, I've got a lot of ground to make up. That's okay. I'm going to make it up. See, it's one thing. We, ex- we live in a day and an age. I'm going to start preaching a message that's not even a part of my message today. But we live in a day and an age where we are so, it's so easy for us to say, yeah, I'm kind of a failure in this area. But there's no ambition, you know, to get better. Like we have no problem identifying our faults and our shortcomings. Why? Because it's more acceptable today than it ever has been. But for you just to simply to identify, yeah, I'm this, and for you to remain that in, in, that, in that state, in that place, like that is not God honoring. You know what I'm saying? And it's not God's plan for your life. And so the idea is, is let's be honest. Like, like one of my... One of the things that God had put on my heart, and oh, by the way, this is one of the sayings that God put on my heart, and I want to thank Tina uh, Tina Cook for making these. You can pick one up. We're just selling them for whatever it is that they cost to make, but but anyway, broken but getting better. Broken, and this is another t-shirt that the Lord put on my heart like a long time ago, maybe Maybe we'll get another another T-shirt, but this would be way too much writing. It would like have to be on the back, you know what I mean? Because it's like a paragraph. But the Lord put on my heart like years ago. Do you think God is in this? Is this is the statement question? Do you think God is interested in you acting like you got your junk together, or really having your junk together? Or you could put stuff or 
whatever. <laughs> Junk's pretty good. But, but we're coming out of a day and a time where, you, you know what I'm saying, people, the church, it, it has been more about how you look, not how you are. And I'm just saying that shame on us for, for being that way. God is interested in you becoming better and not just acting like you're better than what it is that, that you are, right? And so, so we've adopted half of it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just this. But there's no pursuit of, of, of the greater things that God has said that you, can, that you can have. I am telling you right now by the Spirit of God, if you've got a pornography problem, it is because you have not, you have not settled on the idea that you're better than that addiction. And God is greater than that addiction. You have identified, yeah, I just got a porn problem. And it's really not affecting me very much because, because nobody even knows about it. It's affecting you. It is stealing and robbing from you. And I'm telling you that you have everything that you need to come out from that place. Come on, stop settling for second or third or fourth or fifth best. If God says, I've got you here in life, don't settle for anything down here. Amen? Don't settle. Come on, you can, you can, we're going to talk more about that. Anyway, all right, all right. So 2021 is a year of being intentional. And we've been talking, I've looked back on 2021, and we've been talking a great deal about values, about values. Somebody say values. It's interesting that we are trying to legislate values that, that you can never legislate because it's a heart issue. It is a, we're, we're trying to, well, we need to put this law in place and we need to put that law in place. It's not a law problem. We got way too many laws as it is. It's a heart problem. Come on, we are quickly losing what has made this great United States of America an incredible place to live, an incredible place to be, and the desire for every other nation in this world, like the very things that have made it great, we're losing very rapidly and very quickly. And I'm just saying, it's time for us to say, stop it. And the way that you stop it is, the, is by changing and going back, come on, to the things that have made this great United States great. And guess what? It's going to change in your heart. And then all of a sudden, John, it's going to affect your family, right? Grandpa John's not going to put up with nothing no longer. Stuff no longer. I'm using, making up words up here. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's like, no, this isn't who we are. This is not who we've ever been. And we're not going to start being that way now. So grandpa gets up and he's like, hey, can I call you grandpa? Yeah. He says, no, we're not going to do it anymore. You know what I mean? So now we've got a family that's changed. And, and now, now, you know, maybe, maybe it encourages other people within the church because, you know, they're seeing some shifts and some changes. You know what? We had this great big family meeting. John brought everybody together. We were like, oh no, this hasn't happened in a while. 
He said, we're not doing this anymore. And then all of a sudden, other people are talking. Guess what? They're rising up and they're saying, you know what? If they're not going to do it anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore. And now we've got a, a church you know, with some families that have said, listen, we're not going to do it anymore, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, because the church can change a community, you know what I mean? Other churches might be paying attention. They're not doing it anymore. What's it? I don't know, but they're not doing it anymore. And guess what? Maybe we shouldn't do it either. And now that the, 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 this incredible place that we get a chance to call home is even better because we've got some values that have made this an incredible place to live that everybody from all over the nations wanting to move here, wanting to bring their values here. You understand what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, if we allow that to happen, it turns into the armpit of the world, just like the place that they left. I'm telling you, we have got to stay true to the things that make this nation great, our community great, this church great. Like if I start sliding on what the Bible says, I'll be the first to tell you, you should leave this church. Like if I start just like, you know what I mean? Just ministering to the people because that's what the people want to hear. You should probably leave this church as fast as you came, faster than you came, because there's nothing of value that you're going to get from this place. And we got churches, come on, that are doing that so rapidly, so fast, so quick. And guess what? The word is offensive and the word is going to offend people. And there might be less people here next week than there are people this week. But I'm telling you that in the event we are true to preaching the gospel message, then we've got an, a, a, a recipe, come on, for life change and life transformation. Amen? Life change and life transformation. All right. So when you're in a generation where the foundations have been destroyed or are being destroyed, I believe that we're in the middle of that right now. What can we do? This is a question. This isn't the first time that people have asked this question. This is something that's in the scripture. It says in Psalm chapter 11, it says this, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And it's interesting. It's almost like, it's almost like, like the guy, you know, it's almost like God got confused and didn't even answer the question properly. So when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then there's a statement, and the statement is this, the Lord is in his holy temple. It's like, did you understand the question? Oh yeah, I understood the question, and I'm giving you the answer. And I'm just saying this, that, that whenever the foundations are being destroyed, come on, what do we do when, when parents are having a difficult time, when, when, when businesses are you know, are struggling? What do we do when churches are leaving the truth and they're adapting or they're adopting what, what I would call um, uh, uh, doctrines of men, which is, which is happening all over the place right now. Doctrines of men is whenever you take cultural 
um, uh, uh, things that are acceptable in the culture, and then you commingle it with God's word, and you come up with a modified version of God's word. It's happening right now. It's been happening for a long period of time. Word by itself just isn't enough. We have to, we have to, you know, we have to redefine it. And so what do you do? Come on, what do you do when you're when you're you're trying to teach? Come on, it's saying get back to the Lord. Come on, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is control. And I'm telling you this: that what we need more than anything is a return to the truth. And a return to the fundamentals and 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 a return to you know the the basics right all right so if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do come on we return to him at times that we find ourselves away from the lord it's time to return to the lord how many of you love the ocean anybody here love the ocean i love the ocean the ocean's awesome place i love to snorkel a lot i encourage you this if you if you love to snorkel too and you have a wife that's never snorkeled, don't be the one to teach her to snorkel. I just, it's just, it, it may give you more years. I was like, just put your face in the water and breathe. She says, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Just trust me. Anyway, that's a whole story of itself. Caused us a little bit of issues, but we got through it. And now she's an incredible snorkeler. Someone, somebody give me a hand clap just real quick for being a great teacher of snorkeling. Um, one thing when you're playing in the ocean, doesn't matter if you're, if you're, you know, bodyboarding or just swimming or just kind of, you know, just floating around out there or snorkeling. The truth is, is that, that sometimes if you, when, when you're not paying attention because the waves, when they come in, how many of you know that the waves don't come in parallel to the beach? They always come in at, at an angle, right? So you're out there just kind of having a great time. You're having a blast. And, and then all of the sudden, you know what I mean? 20 minutes pass by and, and you're, you're looking back at the beach now and you're like, where's my umbrella? Where, where's my where's my blue and my white towel that that is so obvious amongst all the other towels that are laid out on the on the on the beach? Where is my wife? Where is my where are my kids at? And you, you kind of wake up and you have literally, you know what I mean, drifted a hundred yards down the beach, and where you're thinking they're just right up there. They're way over there. And you're like, how in the world did that happen? And I'm just telling you, this is the state that I believe that the church is in right now. We have found ourselves just drifting, not even realizing that we're drifting. And what do you do when you drift, man? You got to get out and you got to walk back to where you're supposed to be. And I'm just saying that if you don't get anything else out of the message today, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is making this personal for you and for your family. If you're not where you're supposed to be, it's time to get out and walk back. It's time to get out and walk back. It's time to return, come on, from that place that you're supposed to be, that you've drifted so far from. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, this is so good. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. How many of you feel like maybe you're at a crossroads in life? 
you could go this way or you could go that way. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What are the ancient paths? Well, listen, we don't have to go back 600 years or 1,000 years. You could, but how about we just start returning to what Grandpa used to do? I want to just honor our, our elders here today. And I want to challenge our elders. Instead of just being, you know, quiet, allowing people to say, listen, you're outdated. You don't have anything else to, you know, you're just not even relevant. Relevant. That's like elephant, <laughs> elephant and relevant at the same time. You're, you're not even relevant. That is so funny. That's, where did that come from? You're not even relevant. Oh, grandpa, grandma. Oh, there's grandma again. How about you? You know what I mean? You step forward and use the voice and the wisdom and the experience that life has given you and that you've learned the things that you've learned about the Lord. Come on, be a voice so that we don't have to continue to make the same mistakes maybe that you had to make. That we can, we can, we can just get a little bit farther along, a little bit, a little bit faster. And so, so the ancient past, what is it that grandpa used to do? What is it that grandma used to say? I can tell you, and I've heard this story because I've shared it so many times. I honestly believe that I am saved today because my grandmother knew how to pray and get a hold of God. I know for a fact that, and she didn't just pray out and put, she had a prayer closet. She'd go into, you know, a room and she would stay there until the business was finished, whatever the business was. And I believe wholeheartedly that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because God got tired of Catherine just saying Travis's name. All right, I wasn't going to save him, but you wore me out, lady. And, and, and come on, how often or how many people do we have that really contend with the Lord maybe like that? Maybe there's more than, than I think, but I would almost say... If I was a betting person, which I'm terrible at betting, I'm not. But if I was, I would say not near as many as we used to. Not near as many as we, as we used to. So let's return back, come on, to the, the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. So we're at a crossroads in our culture now. It seems like our world is really wanting to redefine everything. We're wanting to redefine marriage. We're redefining gender. I never, how many of you ever would have thought in a million years that we would even be having some of the conversations that we're having right now? Gender, marriage, sexuality, so many other things, right? In fact, I will have people in the time, in the culture that we live in, and listen, I'm just telling you, we love people. If somebody's struggling and they've got a certain bend, it's not like I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't believe that. I got my own stuff. I got stuff that I'm getting better in. But I'm telling you that we cannot redefine what it is that God has defined. Right? And so sometimes people will come to me, hey, Pastor Travis, it's almost like, I almost feel like Jesus, but not really, because he was always getting set up, right, to get, 
to get a left hook. You know, if, if we're going to set him up and ask him this question and, and then we're going to pay attention to his answer because he can only answer in one or two different ways. And Jesus was always a thousand steps ahead of people. But people will ask me, what do you think about all of this? And I'm like, like, this is the perfect answer. I want you to adopt this and make it your own. What does it care? What does it matter what I think about it? What I think about it, 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 there's, it, there's zero weight on what I think about it. But let me tell you what the Bible says about it. Why can't we, why can't, why do we, what does it matter what you think about a topic whenever the Bible's clear about the topic? How, what, how am I going to add anything to the topic? Well, this is, unless I'm trying to be something that I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Why not just say, listen, it really doesn't matter what I think about it, but this is what the scripture thinks and I think, or says, and I think, it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear. So anyway, we're talking about relationships. How are you tying all this together? Well, for relationships to work like they're supposed to work, we have to let the one who designed them define them. You've got to allow the one that has designed the relationship to define the relationship. It's his definition. He is the one. God is the one that gave the definition. So just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean that our feelings are right or proper. Proverbs chapter 14 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, and some of your translations say they appear to be right to man, right? It seems like it would be right, Everybody else is saying it's right. You know what I mean? It's totally, whatever it is, it's totally acceptable. There's a way that appears to be right, but it's wrong. And not only is it wrong, but in the end, it leads to death. So whenever we begin to redefine what God has defined, not only is it wrong, but it leads to death. Like, and it's not always, it's not always just like physical death. How many of you know that you can have death in your relationships? How many of you know that you can have death with your anointing and your calling? Right? How many of you know that you can, like, sometimes people, because they're choosing a way that appears to be right, but it's wrong, sometimes they're just heaping loads and loads of issues and they're going to make it through life. Honestly, I think that one of the big reasons why the suicide rate is so high is because there's a way that appears to be right and we, 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 we give in to this way that appears to be right. We pursue with everything. We, we put, you know, we're all in. We put everything, everything of value that we have into this thing that appears to be right only to find out that it's wrong. And now what do we have? There's a way that appears to be right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. It's not just physical, it's our soul. Come on, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Like why is depression and anxiety and all of these things at all time highs? It might be because there's a way that appears to be right, but it's wrong. And now all of a sudden, because we've invested everything into it. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Like it's more than just, it's more than just I agree with you or I don't agree with you. 
Like it can be hurting yourself to the point of dying out in a certain area. The Bible says the one that is behind it is the thief. Who's the thief? The thief is the devil. It's not a, I didn't put it on the screen, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? So if you have anything in your life that is being stolen from, destroyed, or, or there's an all-out assault to kill that thing, then you know that Jesus, unless it's sin, Jesus is not behind it. It's the thief. Satan, Lucifer, the dragon. Oh, and by the way, he is real. Sometimes people don't even think that hell is real or the devil's real. He's real. He is pursuing you to destroy every good thing that God has for you. So we're talking about families. Listen now, because I'm going to make a shift, and it's going to sound like I'm, I'm double talking. It's going to sound like I'm talking out of one side of my mouth. And then speaking out of the other side, bringing about confusion. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm sharing with you the truth, but I'm also sharing with you how you're supposed to function. Come on, as a Christian, as a, as a believer. And so we're talking about values that are going to make our families better. Now let's take a snapshot of our world. There's so much disunity. There's so much division. There's so much discord. There's so much, there's so much anger. There's so much hatred. There's so much malice. We don't have patience for one another. If you don't agree like I believe, then I hate you. If, you're, if, 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 if you know, your views on life are, are slightly different than mine, then we have no fellowship together. You understand what I'm saying? This is a strange place we're in the world. There's a lot of hate, and everybody is choosing sides. What side are you on? Oh, I'm on this side. Oh, we're on the same side. Oh, I can't talk to you no more. I'm canceling you, right? Everybody is choosing, choosing sides. Christians do not have that luxury. Boy, Travis, you're really confusing me. You're saying one thing, and all of a sudden, you know, what, am I not supposed to stand up? Yeah, you're supposed to stand up for what it is that you believe in, but there is an eloquent way, there's a right way, and if you have a hard time figuring out what that's like, study the red letters and study the life of Jesus. He was so good at it. He was so good at it where he didn't waver on what was true and what was right, but he also had tremendous love and compassion in this hand, right? He understood humanity instead of just saying, because it may not be a sin that you deal with, but you can't understand that sin. You know what I mean? You ain't got no time for that. Come on, Jesus, Jesus was perfect, man, and I just, I'm blown away at how incredible he was in dealing with people. Oh, by the way, God so loved the world. The world. It didn't say God so loved the church. God so loved Travis after he was fixed. God so loved the world in the midst of his, of his sewage is the best word that comes to my mind. My life was sewage. And God so loved me at that place, at that moment that he gave his only begotten son 
for me. So if you have hate in your heart this, this morning, if you have hate in your heart towards people or people groups or a certain political viewpoint, if you have, if you despise those people that think like that, if you have hate in your heart for family members, if you have hate in your heart that you have to understand, number two is this, your relationship with God is connected to the people that God has put in your life. Say again. Your relationship with God is connected. This is the word. This is the connecting point. It's connected to the people that God has put in your life. Like I will go as far as to say that you can't have a great this if you don't have a great this. If you don't have things proper vertically, then horizontally they might be all right, but they're not going to be great. And if you've got issues here, Monty, if I'm just ticked off at you, which I'm not. I don't know how anybody ever could be. But if I'm just upset with you, for us to think that this is not going to affect this, it's foolish. It's absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? How I treat you as a person, come on, that is, that is struggling and dealing with whatever it is that you're struggling with, Come on, it, has, it shows light on how this is. And if we don't have tolerance, zero, and I know that tolerance is one of those real catchy words, and, and it has been, and, and honestly, maybe it's, I, I'm not even, scratch that word. Don't even want to use that word. Use another word. If we don't have understanding or we don't try to get on the, on the, on the, you know, on the same page, if we, don't, if we don't pause and remember maybe what it was like before you had a heart transformation, before Jesus came into your life, maybe it's been too many years you forgot what that was looked like and you don't have patience for you know, anybody that's just not like you, towing the line every single week. You just can't have a good this or a good this without having a good that and vice versa. All right, John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you give a lot of money in, the, in your tithing every month. If you, by this, they will know that you are my disciples by serving in children's church because they need you to serve. No, that's not even it. That should be it, but it's not. Right? They will know that you are my disciples as they see you love one another. And I'm telling you what, that love abounds. Man, if we could love one another better... You know what I mean? There's such a hunger for love, especially in the, in the world of hate and divisiveness that we live in right now. You want to see something go a long way, love. This agape love, which is unconditional love. That means that Nancy, even though you tick me off so much, you don't, but, but unconditionally, man, I just love you because because you're such a lovable person. No, because of the love of God that, is, that has been extended 
to me. And so listen, this is where I'm bringing these two together, right? Um, so it's not, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth here, okay? Really quick. You need to have values and beliefs. You can't allow your heart to be poisoned. And uh, where, did, where did my place go here? Okay, already passed that. Sorry, I'm just a... Uh, Something I was wanting to say, but I'm not going to say it. All right. Um, all right. I'm just going to go ahead and skip that. Let's go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 22, please. Matthew 22. So the disciples came to, actually, it wasn't the disciples. This was, I believe, the Pharisees. They came to Jesus and they said this Jesus, which is the greatest command? So listen. During this time, there was about 440 commands, laws that, that people were challenged to follow. And they're like, listen, if you were going to just narrow it down to the one, what is the greatest command? Jesus' response, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Some of them say, and with all of your strength. Okay? What is the greatest command? That's awesome. Boom. Boom. Out of 440, this is it. But Jesus says, listen, and the second one is just like it. We don't want to know what the second one is. It wasn't my question. I asked you, what is the greatest command? I'm looking for one out of the 440. Jesus gives them two, and the reason he gives them two is because you cannot separate the one from the other. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 36 to 39. And I'm just telling you guys this this morning, that if you really want, like if you ever come to God and you're just like, listen, God, how are we, how are we? Have you ever done that? I do that sometimes. God, we're good, right? Especially when I was having my heart issue and I was thinking, oh, this is how this happens. Sometimes people are here and then they're gone. You know what I started asking the Lord? God, how are we? I started repenting. I, I, I was repenting for things. God, I'm certain that I did some things that I don't even, I'm not even aware of right now. And I am sorry for those things too. I mean, I was like, but listen, if you ever are at the point where you're like, you want to know how you are with God, like the first thing that he will point you to is how are you with the relationships in your life? Because this affects that. This affects that. Right? All right. So, I want you to think about the offense. The offense that maybe you're dealing with even right now. Who are they? What did they do? Was it a coworker? Was it a family member? Was it something that happened within the church? Jesus told us, he said, listen, you can't even go through life without being offended. Matthew 24 and verse 10 says this, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Is that kind of a cool snapshot of where we are today in our world? And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. 
So if you find yourself offended, I want to encourage you this. Don't feel bad about it. Just understand that you're experiencing life. You're living life. Because offense are going to come. Even Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? And so I believe this, that it's time. Somebody say, it's time. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time. It's time for the church to honestly level up and just glorify God regardless of what circumstances you might be going through. Because there is a way that you can be hurt. There's a way that you can, you know what I mean, that, that you can be wronged but still honor and still glorify God. This can be a challenge for a lot of different reasons. And I'm going to go through these reasons really quickly. Number one is this. We don't understand forgiveness. I was just sharing with our, with our team, you know, right before the service today that forgiveness is one of those things that we just don't understand real well. We have a hard time understanding, even within the Christian community. You know what I mean? I'll hear somebody that I admire, look up to on the radio talking about, you know, forgiveness. And, and they'll say things like, well, you know, to forgive doesn't mean to forget. But then I look at the model of Jesus and Jesus is like, is like, listen, if you ask me to forgive you, you know what I mean? If you repent of your sins, I'll throw your sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against you again. And so Jesus forgets. We're supposed to be made in the image and likeness of God. I know that we're not Jesus, but shouldn't that like be our, shouldn't it be our, and so, so even in this area, this topic of forgiveness, there's so much confusion. And I would love to tell you this morning that your pastor's got a handle on it, but I don't. I don't have a handle on it. But I will say this, that forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. You know, we, yes, it was wrong. Yes, it hurt you. Yes, it should have never been done. But forgiveness is really about my attitude towards God and how I deal with you or my attitude towards God about you. Also, forgiveness is this, having peace in your heart in light of the wrong that was done. Let me just say it like this because it's coming to me right now and I just think this really brings it together. When you've been offended, a great question to ask yourself is this. Um, how much did I need to rely on God to get where I'm at? Because if you didn't have to rely on God very much to get where you're at, then probably forgiveness has not taken place in your life. But if you can look at it and like, wow, man, I can't even myself believe that I'm here. I can't even believe that, that this thing isn't just wrecking me and robbing me from my sleep anymore and things like that. Man, God has really done a miracle in this, in this area in my life than, than probably you know, some forgiveness, some godly forgiveness has, has taken place. So how much of God was, is, was needed to get where I am today? Once again, okay, I'm, I got to my, I found my point that I'm going to make to bring everything together. It just took me a while, only about 15 and a half minutes, but I got there. All right. So there's a lot of toxicity in the world, a lot of hate. We've already come to that. I'm asking you as the church to raise the standard. 
Do you know that judgment is going to come first to the house of the Lord? Before the world is ever judged, judgment's going to come. Come on, he's going he's to want to see what is the health of my church? What is the health of my people? Okay, so this is the tying statement. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. You've been waiting so patiently for this. All right. I don't know who did that, but that was not a drum roll. That was something that you do to your wife when you're, you know, you're like, I don't know, any tigers out there. Uh, (laughs) Roxy's turning red. (laughs) All right. So we have to stand firm and love well at the same time. Boy, that was really difficult, wasn't it? You can stand firm, but yet love well at the same time. All right. Number two is this. We don't forgive because life is not fair. And life isn't fair. That person shouldn't have drug your name through the dirt. That person shouldn't have taken that secret and spread it all over town. That person should have known, you know, your heart and not just judged you, you know, on something that, that, that they misunderstood, right? It's not fair. They took advantage of you. It's not fair. Luke chapter 6, 27, and I don't have it up here because I, it came later, but I just want to give you this. And Jesus said it like this. He said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. I can't even tell you how many times somebody has hurt my feelings, made me ticked off mad, And I'm just like, you know what? It's time to have that conversation. I'm getting ready to line somebody out. And then all of a sudden, in route, you know what I mean? The Lord's like, nope, don't do it. Wrong, wrong decision. And I'm like, put the brakes on. And then all of a sudden, because the approach is different and and the Lord has kind of shined some light on. Now there's a reason why a person maybe has been the way that they have been. And now I've been given a voice into their life to help them instead of a stumbling block to trip them up even further. You understand what I'm saying? And so we need to be led, you know, by God. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. And, 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 and this is the other thing. You know, we don't forgive because life is not fair. You don't want fair. You don't want fair. I don't want fair. If, if I get what's fair, then I'm going to stand before God by myself and I'm going to line out all of the many millions and millions of mistakes that I've made. And we could probably get into a one-up. Oh, yeah, that's so bad. Well, I've done this. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. I've done this. You know what I'm saying? And so, so it's not about that. But all I'm saying is that I don't want fair. I don't want what I deserve. I want forgiveness. And this is the thing, is if I really want that for myself, then I also have to be able, come on, if I don't want to give an account for all of my sin and pay for my sin, then I better learn how to forgive, you know what I'm saying, people that sin against me. Scriptural, all right? Matthew chapter 18, I'm just going to paraphrase this. Peter comes to to Jesus, obviously offended. Everybody's offended. Peter's offended. He's like, hey, 
How often should we forgive one another? And he's like, he's trying to be like the, you know, valedictorian of the class. Like, I already know the answer I'm going to give Jesus. He's like going way above, like, Jesus is probably going to say two. I'm going to say seven. How often should we forgive a brother or a sister who sins against us? And then Peter's like, seven? He's like, no, sorry, Peter, but you're way off. Seventy times seven is the answer. 490 times, and oh, by the way, that is one day. I did the quick math on a calculator because I didn't want to get this wrong. But that's about a, a forgiveness every three seconds. And that's if you don't go to sleep. That's in a 24-hour period. How often should we, and that 490 times, it's not like he, Jesus was just like, listen, don't even, because Christians are like, okay, I think I can do that. And then 491, you are done. I am finished with you. He gave this broad number, and then he says it's like a king that went to settle his accounts with his servants, and there was, there was a guy that owed him, you know, and this is translated into American dollars today, there's a guy that owed him $5 billion, right? And he said, hey, listen, it's time to pay up. He's like, I don't have it. He said, listen, and he started to beg and plead and and the king was like, listen, I'm going to send you to prison and your wife to prison and all your kids to prison until this debt is paid for. And no person, I mean, could you imagine if you owed somebody today $5 billion? There's no way that you or your family or your family's family, all of your friends, you know what I'm saying? Unless you just got some really cool friends that you would ever be able to pay a debt like that. And so he's begging, pleading, I promise you, if you will just give me but time, I will pay it all back, all back. And the Bible says that the king had compassion on his servant. And he forgave the debt. He just, he let it go. He's like, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to pay for nothing. So immediately the guy goes out and he finds another man that owes him the equivalence of $10,000. He says, you need to pay this debt right now. Puts his hands around his neck. He's like, he's begging and pleading. He's doing the same thing that this man just left the king doing. You know, please, if you would just let me go. And he didn't. He did not have compassion. He did not have mercy. Threw him in jail. Probably his family. Uh, you know, kids and everything else in jail until that debt was paid off. Well, the word got back to the king. And he said, listen, you ought to have had compassion on your servant just like I've had compassion on you, but you didn't. And so now he brought the debt back up and tossed him into jail. Listen, I'm telling you, you can, you can live a life that is, that is full of unforgiveness, but there is a major consequence that when you stand before the Lord, come on, in this parable, he is the king that has forgiven you a great debt and you are the servant that's been forgiven a debt and if you choose to not forgive those that have sinned against you then guess what man that thing is going to be brought up against you and you're going to pay for it yourself 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So you ought to find out who it is that you're holding hate in your heart for and unforgiveness and get that stuff dealt with because this isn't some fairy tale. It's, it's not some bedtime story that you're just sharing with your, with your kids before they, you know, go night, night, nighty, night, night, night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bug. It's not that. This is a very true reality of how. It's a foreshadowing of how things are going to be. And if you've got unforgiveness and bitterness and those kinds of things, if you're holding somebody's sin against them, it affects you and the forgiveness that you're receiving from the Lord. You don't want to pay for your sin? Don't hold other people's sin against them. If you think I've got this wrong, come and line me out after service. I can't see it any other way. All right? I've been wrong before. I welcome you. Line me out. But I don't think I'm wrong. Number three is this. The reason why we don't forgive is because we don't think that we can. We don't think we can. I agree I should forgive, but you don't know my story. Everybody's got a story, and the story hurts, and it's painful, and it's hard. It doesn't matter what the story, and I'm not making light of the story. There's some, been some terrible things that have happened to people in this room, and that's very serious. But I'm telling you, God's word is true, regardless of the circumstance. All right, Philippians 4 and 13 says this. When you don't think you can, you need to realize that I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. When you don't think you can, you can. You absolutely can. In fact, I'm just going to close with this. So many people we don't do because we don't think we can. So many people we get so comfortable. Well, I'm just not this or I'm just not that. And listen, I want to share something with you that has been life-changing for me. Okay? This is a worldview, but I take it a step further and make it a godly view. Listen, lean in just real quick. Listen to what I'm saying. If somebody else is doing it, I can do it. And the reason is, if, if somebody else is doing it, and I'm not talking about being able to dunk a basketball like Michael Jordan. But I'm telling you, this works for 90% of the people on the planet. If somebody else is doing it, then that means I can do it. And the only reason why I'm not going to be able to do it is because I excuse it. This is where I make it a biblical principle. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Like, listen, if the next Joe down the road can do it just because somebody else is doing it, then I can definitely do it because I've got Christ in my life and I can do all things, all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Stop making excuses. If you don't like something about your life, change it. Do something different. Because God is with you. And if he's with you, then everybody else should be. Right? The problem is, is you and I don't believe what God says about us. And that's the problem. 
We have got to quit allowing ourselves to be comfortable with things that are in contradiction to God's word. I have said this before, but there are books that are waiting to be written. And at the very moment that you sit down and you get writer's block, you give up and you're just like, who? This is the conversation that you're having. Who wants to hear, you know, from a 52-year-old woman that's raised all of her kids? You know what I mean? Who wants to? Nobody wants to hear that. But God said, listen, I have put something inside of you that you are supposed to share because your words may not be the thing that makes a difference, but I'm going to anoint the words and I'm going to take those words and that life story and that life lesson and, and those experiences and I'm going to connect it to the heart of somebody that is going through what you've already been through but you done talked yourself out of why it is that you can't, who am I? I don't even know how to spell properly. Find a ghostwriter. There are brilliant people. I'm telling you, this is one of my problems. I've had some great book ideas. I'm like, man, if it's left up to me, I'm gonna forget what I was taught in I didn't really pay attention back then. Boy, this guy's uneducated. Come along, somebody like Matthew Johnson, Jaina, other people. Come on, that like you're just sending a text message out to remind everyone. He's correct. He's circling it and making it red. <laughs> Bob Dempsey. When I first moved here, one of the things that I would always say is, me and Tina. Me and Tina, we're going to go out to eat. And Bob, man, he would be like, you mean Tina and I? Yes, Bob, Tina and I. You know what I'm talking about, Bob. Well, guess what? Now, I'm like, you know what, Tina and I, we're going to go grab something to eat. You want to go with us? You understand what I'm saying? You can learn just because you didn't put yourself in a position Come on, to do well in high school all those years ago doesn't mean that the brain that you have in your head can't learn today. There are incredible people that go back to school and become doctors and get master's degrees in their 70s. Right? Quit making excuses. I started thinking about you know, I've been on a weight loss journey and I started thinking about, you know what, I'm talking about this excellent God and every single time that I get up, you know, I'm talking about how excellent God is, but God's not excellent enough for me to get my weight under control. What would it be like if I could, what would it be like if I quit making excuses? Well, guess what? It's been a journey and doing things that nobody else wants to do. But I'm feeling pretty stinking good. I feel better than I've felt in a long time. I'm the lightest that I've been in 25, 26 years. My wife and I, we were talking yesterday. We're going to run our first half, well, it's not her first half marathon. 
It's my first half marathon in August or September of this year. I'm telling you, if you would have asked me, listen, if you would have asked me, what are the top 10,000 things that you wanna do in 2021? Running a half marathon wouldn't even have made the 10,000 list. But you know what? I'm like, everybody else is doing it. There's no reason why I can't do it. Quit making excuses. God is greater than whatever issues you're dealing with. You either believe it or you don't. And the problem is, this is the problem. We have churches that are filled with people that don't even believe what God's word is. We have no problem speaking it, sharing it, quoting it, putting it on our refrigerator, posting it. But do you believe it? We gotta believe it. In this day and age, we gotta believe it. And guess what? When you begin to believe God's word in your life for whatever it is that you're believing for, automatically, without you even putting in much effort, you're just gonna raise the standard. You're gonna raise the bar. It's automatically gonna happen. By the way that you live your life, people are gonna, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna level up. They're gonna come up. Amen? God bless you guys. Continue to work your relationships. Continue to trust God. Amen? Let God be the one that defines them. Believe for bigger things. Step into your calling. Don't let anything rob from you any longer. God is for you. If that's the case, everybody else should be. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.